0: Out of here. Let's get the Christmas tree down this afternoon. Let's get all of that stuff. Alright, let's take advantage of all of those special sales. All of that I couldn't afford before and now with my greed I can go after and get for myself, alright? Isn't that kind of the attitude of the world? We've done it again. We've had Christmas. We've, uh, well, some of us have had manger sets and and time to put baby Jesus away and uh, finish it up for this year. And that seems to be an attitude that it's kind of easy to slip into, particularly with all of the advertising. How many ads have you gotten this week on your emails? It seems like every time I open up, I say, oh, man, I've got 20, 20 messages. Fifteen of them are ads. And uh, there's uh, buy.com, and there's, uh, well, you know, <laughs> Overstock, and amazon.com, and all the rest of them, and they've got all of these ads. And hurry up. If you if you order now, they can get it before Christmas. Oh, you're too late. Now we have the post-Christmas uh, specials for you. And that's kind of the way the world is. But I wanted to suggest to you this morning... And my whole thought is that instead of ending Christmas with this weekend, that we, in a sense, just begin Christmas and what it's really all about. Because that, in a sense, is the message that we have this morning from the scripture passage that we'll be reading in a few minutes. Remember, we've had a series, Tuning In to God, and... I've wondered sometimes whether that means tuning in the TV to God. No, no, that's not what it means. It means that we need to be in harmony with God and his songs, his messages to us. And we need to hear him. And indeed, those people that were in tune to God in the series that we've had received a message from God. Remember the first Sunday, it was Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest, and he was in the temple and just doing the usual thing, and whammo, there was an angel that told him he was going to have a son. And he said, no way, this can't be true. He doubted the word of the angel, and that was the message. And I know all of you, Drew made a hit with that one as he went on, that okay, for nine months he had to keep his mouth shut and pay attention to God. Now, there's some of us that it would be kind of hard for us to keep our mouths shut and listen to God, but what a blessing it could be. But, you know, the thing about Zechariah that I think is significant is that he he uh, doubted God, right, to start with, even though he saw an angel. And then there was Mary, a teenager. And when you start thinking about it, what she was hit with was... I think about the most impossible thing that you would imagine. It seemed like her life was on course, so to speak. Engage, looking at things, and then here, an angel. They kind of whacks her the side of the head and say, hey, you're a special one. God has a work for you. And the thing that I love about Mary and that whole thing was her humble, be it done to me, whatever you say, God, I'm here. Whoo, that's one that I sure goof up. I like to do what I want to do. But to be submissive to God and to his will, and that was Mary. And then, of course, there was Simeon. He was an old man like I am, see, you know. You get to be my age, you figure, you know, if I've got 10 more years, that'll be a great blessing. But then I go to be with God, you see. Probably never thought of life quite like that, have you? (laughs) But that's the reality of where Simeon was. And Simeon had a message that said, you're going to see the Messiah. You're going to see my salvation before you die. And when he walked into the temple that day that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus, he immediately said, there, there it is. Wow. Wow. Now I can go in peace with the comfort of knowing that I've seen God's salvation. So that's the series. And then last Sunday, that one-time service altogether, what a blessing that was. Because it kind of took the whole story. And this is what Christmas is. This is what the prophecies were. This is what happened. And we praised God and rejoiced. But this is the last Sunday of the series. And the scripture passage that we have this morning is, is uh, connected with that. And you know when Drew uh, went south with the mission team to Alabama. He was on his way and he was talking to me about it. And of course it's always sort of polite when a pastor has somebody else fill the pulpit. Even if you're on the staff to say, well you can preach anything you want to preach. But by the way... Uh, let's end up the series, okay? <laughs> so uh, did any of you ever get an assignment from uh, uh, the head man a uh, little bit? Well, I'll have to say that Pastor Drew is, is a, a good buddy in ministry, and I thank God for it. But when I started looking at this, there's really a message, and there's really a need to kind of finish it up and get started because Christmas is over. And uh, yet it's beginning, a new year, all of these things, let's wind it down and wind it up, so to speak, in the message this morning, because that's what we're talking about. And the scripture passage, the scripture passage is in Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to begin with verse 8. And it's a story of the shepherds and the angels. And what a story. What a message for us. Now, hear the word of God. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. i got to stop for just a second here. You know, two weeks ago last night, we had a carol sing, and we had kids that were like sixth grade, six years old and under the younger ones, and their parents, and uh, we, two weeks ago tonight, and so they went out and wandered around and sang, and then they came back, and uh, Mary Bell, my wife, uh, she read the Christmas story, and, and I filled in with pictures of the PowerPoint kind of thing for them, and so she showed the pictures of the angel appearing to, Zechariah and the angel appearing to to Mary. And she turned to the kids and said, what would you do if you saw an angel? And one of the boys, and he might even be here this morning, said, I'd freak out. (laughs) And he said, just as loud as that. And so here's the shepherds kind of freaking out because here they are. They're out there in the fields. And (laughs) an angel stood before them. And just think of that. If you've got a job or a place that you go every day, and it's your work, it's your life work, and all of a sudden you're there doing what you're supposed to, and whammo, a message comes from God. And that's what happened with this. The angel appeared. Now hear what the angel had to say. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about the shepherd, about the child. And all who heard it were amazed. At what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for they had heard and seen as it had been told them. May God add his blessing to this, his word. Let us pray. O oh God, may our hearts be open to hear your truth. May I be faithful as your messenger. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I think of shepherds, and these are common, ordinary people, uh, workers out there in the field, living in the field, and I've had the privilege of uh, being in Bethlehem uh, 12, 14 times, and between Jerusalem and Jericho, as you drive along, you'll see off on the hills, and this is a super kind of highway all the way between Jerusalem and Jericho, you'll see flocks, you'll see tents, and you'll see shepherds there in the fields, even today. And it always is kind of an impression. Of course, they've got a holy site that you can go to and you can walk, but to see the shepherds out there on the fields is always impressive. And so when I think about shepherds and shepherds being in their fields, that's what I start thinking about. But the ones that goes on a little bit further with me is I lived in Egypt and was pastored there for eight years, and every year we had a live Christmas pageant. Now to have a live Christmas pageant, of course, you need sheep and you need donkeys and you need camels. And so there was a entrepreneur fellow on the main street that he could do everything from your plumbing to, uh, shop for things. And so we would contact him and he would locate people in a nearby village that had sheep and he would make sure we had some shepherds and sheep and he would make sure we had a donkey and also camels. Now these were work camels that weren't always the most friendly creatures. In fact, always one of them had a muzzle around him. Now, you can figure why. Somebody said, what, might he spit at you? Well, I don't know. I think it was more like he might have bit you if you didn't have that muzzle around him. But I raised that because of the shepherds. You know, you make a Christmas pageant, and of course you you wash all the bathrobes and get them all set and looking very pert and purty, and, and you get the children together, and they're all ready to march in and, and be the shepherds. Well, to get the sheep to march in, we needed the real shepherds as well. And, you know, they always came all grungy with grungy clothes on, and you didn't want to get too close to them. It wouldn't necessarily smell. And you were tempted to say and try to figure out a way you could keep them off to the side. But, you know, the point is Jesus and the whole story of the gospel was not one of keeping the ordinary poor people, the shepherds, off to the side. If we were getting a a good Presbyterian committee together to plan an event like the coming of the Lord, what would we do? We'd want the biggest stadium we could get. We'd want the greatest, well, let's get all the dignitaries in, whatever you want. But what happens? God chose to bring the message of the birth of Jesus to ordinary people, to shepherds. They were about their work at night. They were on the night shift. And there they were. And in the midst of that, God came to them. The angels came to them and declared the message, the message of Christmas. A couple of things about that. You know, I told you about Zechariah. I told you about Mary. I told you about Simeon. Every one of them had a name, but there's not a name for any of the shepherds. When you start thinking about that, it was just a a group of people that were about their business. These were the shepherds. And you know, there's a tremendous message, I think, in that for us. Well, I'm nobody. (laughs) I can't do anything. What do you mean God wants me? Yes. He does. And it's so easy to put ourselves down and don't think that we have a place in God's plan. But here we're what I would call almost the poorest or the humblest of the people of that time. The people at the sanctuary wouldn't let those shepherds come in the temple because, of course, they couldn't do all of the religious things that they had to do and so therefore they would be unclean and Shepherds were not necessarily allowed to come into the sanctuary. (laughs) But where did God go? Where did the angels go? They skipped the temple, if you notice. They skipped the main part of the city. They went out on the hills, and they met with the shepherds. And what a blessing, and what a hope. And the angels bought brought to the shepherds the real story of what Christmas is all about, what we celebrate, what the whole purpose was. And if you notice their words as we go on, we get the message of what Christmas is about and intended to be. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "'Don't be afraid.'" For see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And so here, in just a few words, you get the whole Christmas message Good news of great joy for all the people. And so the message of Christmas is to everyone, to poor shepherds, to homeless people, to people around the world, to the person in the nursing home, and to the king on the throne, to everyone. The message is for all people, and it's good news of great joy. And then the message, in one sentence, the sort of gospel is summarized. To you is born this day in the city of David. There is his lineage. They said he would be of the house and city of David. A savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Three strong words there. If you look at them, a savior, a deliverer, a redeemer. The whole message of the gospel is to bring salvation to all people to bring them new life, to bring forgiveness of sins. That's the hope. That's what it's all about. And so he speaks to that, a Savior. Now, an interesting thing. If you look back at the song of Zechariah, now the song came after the nine months and when he was ready to name John, and he said his name will be John. And then the scripture tells us that he could talk. And not only did he talk, but he, he preached a kind of a strong sermon. And what I think is so significant about that is that in that, one of the lines is this. He has raised up. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us. So in this message of the angels, one was a Savior. Here's Zachariah; He's proclaiming the message, a Savior. And then Mary. Mary, when when she was visiting her cousin, again, freed up to give her song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Again, it's there. The key message. Of Christmas for us. Oh, and I, I can't leave out Simeon. When he saw Jesus and was looking there, the babe, he said, and this is a prayer, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So here, each of these songs have centered in it that theme of salvation which is the whole theme of what it's all about. Jesus Christ came to earth. Jesus was God becoming man that we might see God's great love. Why? Because God loves us and wants us to be redeemed, to be forgiven from our sins, to know the joy of a relationship with him. That's the message. But the other two words that are tied there, who is the Messiah? The anointed one, the Christ. He is the person that the prophets have told about. He is the one that's chosen, that's separate to bring the message. It's identifying who he is. And finally, the third word is the Lord, the master. The one that we need to surrender and put ourselves into his control. And so in this one paragraph sort of thing or one sentence, we get the whole message, a strong message from the angel to the shepherds and to all people to remember this message. And, you know, to summarize a little bit more what salvation really means, I think two places that I like, of course, you all know John 3.16 So I'm not going to quote that again. But the 17th verse says, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God's great love was at the point that he sent his Son so that we could be redeemed and saved. And 1 John chapter 4 does a good job of summarizing this. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's the story of salvation. Beloved, since God loved us so much, and I think this is a good part to remember, We also ought to love one another. This is our call. This is what it's all about. This is the song of Christmas, the message of Christmas. And look at shepherds for a little bit more. You know, what really impressed me, here they were out there, and they saw the angel, and they didn't form a committee and say, well, uh, this is absolutely bizarre, uh, did we really see that? Uh, we need to check this out. Uh, maybe we ought to send someone into Bethlehem and just have them look it over and see if it really did happen. That's not the way the angels, the shepherds responded, was it? As soon as the angels were gone, they said, well, let's go in and not see if it's true, but go in and experience what's happened. There is belief in their statement. If you, if I read that again, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place. See what's happened. With all of our skepticism and everything, here's a different picture. Here's a group of people that said, let's go and and see. Let's go and see what has happened. See the thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger all that they'd heard was now confirmed and they went and then the next verse that goes on to say when they saw this they made known what had been told them about the child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them <laughs> what they do they 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 saw it and they just said well look uh, we angels they told us uh, And in their excitement, they told other people and people were wondering and amazing. And what a lesson. Don't keep the good news to yourself. (laughs) Don't keep the message to yourself. And the shepherds were such an example of that. So that people around them heard what was and were amazed and wondered, what's this? And then the next verse kind of ties in with it as well. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Their evening started sort of ordinary. And then Wemo, the angel. And then a trip to Bethlehem. And when they had done what they felt that they were led to, Where did you go to? They went back to their fields, rejoicing and praising God. To me, there's a message in that. We always want the super, extra, special this and that. But there's a regular life pattern. To illustrate that a little bit is this. You see me as a pastor up here. But I was in research. Medical research for four years. I taught science for a while. And then I was a principal for a while in my career and going on. Okay. Was I more holy here than I was as a principal of high school? Or when I was doing medical research? I felt at that time I was where God wanted me to be. And I think that's the message of Christmas and the message to learn from the shepherds. They were back to their fields, praising God and glorifying God. And they'd been telling others about him. God has special tasks for you, special places that he wants you to serve and and be his people and share this message of Christmas that God so loved us, so cared for us, that he sent us Jesus for our salvation. You know, we talked about these characters, but I think at this point, this final thought of this series is that we, each of us, would begin to sing our song. And there's a great song that all of us can sing. And that's this message of Christmas, that God loved us so much. And with that love comes a responsibility to love each other to love one another. So no matter who you are, where you are, what the situation you're in, be ready to sing God's song and to share his message. And this morning, maybe you're more like the shepherds. That This is a different idea than what I've been thinking about. Check it out. Like the shepherds did. God may be speaking to you in a very special way. And so I asked you this morning, what is your song? What is it that God has in mind for you to do, to be? And I think there's no question, but that part of that is, is continuing the message of Christmas, continuing to share God's love, continuing to be all that God wants you to be. This is kind of a special time. I jokingly started off, well, Christmas is all over. Well... What you're planning for this year, this week, you're planning New Year's and you switch from Christmas to New Year's quick, just like that. But, you know, it can be special for it's also a good time to think things through a little bit. What's God's song for me to sing? What's God's song for you to sing? What special way? Can you share his love? And then another way, as you think about the coming of the new year, uh, you know, it seems, sometimes I think new year's resolutions are kind of ridiculous. They give you an excuse to have something to break, if you understand what I mean. (laughs) But they can also be a time of, of resolution, of taking and thinking, and perhaps starting something that is different. Maybe there's some little habit that you need to get into, spiritually speaking. Spending some time of quietness or uh, on a regular basis showing kindness to someone. Little things. Disciplines, habits, holy habits you could call them. That you could develop that would deepen your faith. Like we said, we're coming to the end of this particular series. And we're beginning a new one. And that is to look at the book of of Luke from the idea of, of learning more about Jesus. And sort of the title is, what's our common language, Jesus, and how are we like him or related to him? And on the way out this morning, the deacons will be giving you a handout like this. And what it has on it is it's inviting the church, all of us, To begin tomorrow, read through the book of Luke. And it gives you a passage for each day from now until Easter. And this is an opportunity to take and learn more about Christ and who he is and his message. And in that process, as you're reading, a couple questions on this to ask. What do you learn about Jesus in this passage? How does Jesus' life impact yours? And so here's a little discipline that you might add in the beginning of a a new series and just carrying the message of Easter forward. And so give that some thought. Then there's another thing. If we stop with just the baby, we've kind of missed the point. And so I would like to have you think this way, that as you go forth, You're just beginning Christmas anew, the real meaning of Christmas, living out this message. I was impressed this week when I read a quote from Dr. Howard Thurman, a a theologian, a uh, civil rights worker, a a man that made quite an impact. He died in the 80s, but here is a quote from him. When the song of the angels is still, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others. To make music in the heart, I want you to remember especially that this is the time for Christmas to begin. instead of packing things up, open them up and hear the message from God. I think it 's worth reading that again. Listen carefully. when the song of the angels is still, when the star in the sky is gone. When the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, to make music in the heart. This morning as we close the message, I'd like to have a time of quiet. There'll be background music that Brian will be playing. But just a time for you to be quiet and me to be quiet. And just to listen to God. What is your song? How can you begin Christmas in your own heart and serve him as we look into another year? Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.